You are listening to Food Means Business, a podcast featuring personal stories and secret ingredients behind what it's like to abandon your day job to start a food business. I'm Janaba Johnson-Jones, former marketing executive turned entrepreneur and founder of food business incubator Hudson Kitchen. Join our community of fellow food business owners and subject matter experts to learn and laugh with us as we explore a startup world that's a little more culinary and a lot less corporate these days. All right, so Denise, welcome to the Food Means Business podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for having me, Janaba. I'm excited for our conversation. So we've known each other for since the beginning of both of our businesses. Actually, we met during Rising Tide Capital's Start Something Challenge pitch competition that you won that year. I think it was 2016. It was so exciting. Um, it's been so exciting to see your kind of your trajectory of, of Partake Foods in the business. So I would love to hear first about how you decided to take the leap from being a corporate uh, employee to owning your own business. Sure. So I think the decision, thankfully, was made for me after the Start Something Challenge. So I entered that pitch competition in 2016 with an idea for Partake. And as you said, we ended up thankfully winning the competition. Um, And while it came with a $10,000 cash prize, I think the thing that was more valuable was it came with some local press, which forced me to tell my employer that I was working on this business (laughs) venture because otherwise I I didn't want them to see me in the paper like, woman starts allergy-friendly food company. And so while they were supportive, they were also like, I was working at Coca-Cola. And so they were like, once you have an actual product, there's a conflict of interest here and you got to hit the road. I'm so grateful for that because I otherwise would have probably tried to turn partake into a side hustle um, because I was good for having one of those. Um, And we probably (laughs) wouldn't be where we are today. Yeah, that that's great. Um, I, I I too kind of was forced into being a business owner because I, I was laid off from my job and decided that I was going to not go back to corporate and just kind of start a business. So it does really they do really force you to do the do the right things and kind of with great results. So that that's fantastic. So um, let's talk about uh, you launching a, a a cookie brand and kind of why you launched your cookie brand. Um, I'd love to hear that story. Sure. So I have a seven-year-old daughter, Vivian. Um, Around her first birthday, we learned she was allergic to eggs and corn and tree nuts and bananas, which is a really odd combination that is hard (laughs) to shop for and hard to prepare food for. Um, And so I was really frustrated with the things that we could find for her from a taste perspective, from a nutritional perspective. But most of all, I thought about the emotional impact that having food allergies would have, how she wouldn't be able to confidently participate in birthday parties and play dates and all these celebrations that included food. I was like, well, why isn't there a brand that makes products that taste good, that have ingredients you can feel good about? but is actually cool enough that someone without a life-threatening allergy would actually choose to eat it. And I couldn't find anything that I felt like fit the bill. And that's where the idea for Partake came from. It's so great because I, both of my children have uh, food allergies. They're teenagers now, but they were, it was hard. Like going to a birthday party, I would pack them a separate dessert so that they could celebrate with, with the kids. So it's really nice that you kind of thought through what Vivian would feel like as she's participating in these celebrations and created a product, I guess, for her and for everyone else as well. So that that's fantastic. <laughs> so let's talk about you cr- actually creating the product, because I, I talk to a lot of people and, you know, having Hudson Kitchen, I get a lot of phone calls about people that want to start businesses, but they don't have any experience with that particular type of thing. And while you have a lot of your work experience you're able to bring to your company, you still weren't baking cookies on a regular basis. So can you just talk about 
the, <laughs> how you took that from an idea to actually getting a product that was uh, created and on the sh on the shelf. Sure. So. I am a mediocre baker at best. That might even be a stretch. Um, and so I went and I spent hundreds of dollars at Whole Foods and I failed horribly. And I realized why so many of the allergy-friendly products on the market had the same few ingredients in them. Um, but I didn't feel like that was acceptable. And so one of the mistakes I actually made in the business was I reached out to a blogger who had a really large following in the gluten-free community. And while she followed the brief that I provided her, um, the product that she created would never scale from a commercial, from a, a kitchen at home to commercial production. And so mm -hmm. we ended up not being able to use that formula. And I spent $8,000 on it, which was a huge sum of money to yes. me then, um, yes. even more so then still now, but then it was like, put you out of business kind of money. Um, and so I thankfully was able to find on LinkedIn, this woman who's an absolute dream. Um, she has a, she was trained at the Culinary Institute of America, but she also led product development from one of the largest allergy friendly food companies. And she responded to my cold email. And I think she took pity on me after my story <laughs> and she agreed to work with us. Um, and we still work with her to this day on all the new products that we launch. So I, I found a professional product developer to help bring the vision to life because I didn't feel like I could do it on my own and and meet the the mission that I was trying to accomplish. And so I think the lesson there for me was to get creative in how we find the resource and also know when to bring resources in. Um, there's definitely things that I feel better at doing, like sales and marketing in the business. And then there's some things that I'm terrible at, like product development. <laughs> that makes total sense. So um, let's talk about money. So you, um, so we talked about the start something challenge, and you got a ten thousand uh, dollar prize from that um, from that uh, event, and then you went on to do I know a Kickstarter um, campaign, which was very successful and enabled you to kind of get the business off the ground. But after that, um, how did you how did you fund the business? Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So we launched in August of 2017. That's when I left my job and we actually had product. We had three flavors of cookies and I sold them out of my car to natural food stores in the New York and New Jersey area. And we bootstrapped the business. Um, you know, my family probably put in about $140,000 from idea to when we first raised outside capital in the end of 2018. Um, it was from our savings. I emptied my 401k. I maxed out all of my credit cards. I opened up new credit cards to max out. I sold my <laughs> engagement ring. Like we were all in for better or for worse financially um, into the business. We were seeing really strong business results at retail, which gave me the confidence to keep going. But I underestimated how expensive it would be, even though I felt like I was being as scrappy as possible. Yeah, thank you for admitting that you actually cleaned out your 401k and, and uh, maxed out your credit cards. I cleaned out my 401k, but I was a little bit embarrassed about, about it. <laughs> well, I don't know if I was as forthcoming with the information that, at that time. At the time, I was definitely embarrassed when I was like having my husband look up diamond dealers to go sell my engagement ring. But now you look back on it and it ended up working out okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's good. Um, so then you went on to be the first black woman to raise $1 million. So talk a little bit about your journey. Um, and I, and, and I, from what I understand, you got a lot of no's before you got that yes. So you can talk about your journey with fundraising. Sure. So when we were kind of financially tapped out, I started to try to raise a friends and family round of funding. Um, there's no accredited investors in my family. So that's pretty a pretty loose term in, in friends and family. I think, um, you know, it was my husband's old colleagues, my old colleagues, people's extended family members, like 
folks showing up with 10, 5, 10, $15,000 checks um, that help keep the lights on, but it never came at one time. So we were always mm-hmm. about to run out of money. Um, but we raised about $400,000 over the span of maybe six to eight months. And then I started to try to raise a seed round of funding. I wanted to raise a million dollars. And I was out on the angel network pitching to all these different groups and got on my spreadsheet, I had at least 86. I really feel like I got more than 100 no's. Um, <laughs> and thankfully, in June of 2019, we closed the million dollar round in Marcy Venture Partners, which is the, the venture capital fund that Jay-Z co-founded, led the round for us, which was really transformational for our business. That That's great. Um, so let's talk about you becoming, you were a solopreneur in 2020, and uh, now you have what, 17 employees. Is that right? We'll be 20 at the end of this oh month. Oh my goodness, really? That's so exciting. So talk about um, the, the decision to hire your first employee. And then I also would love to hear about how you created um, culture within the company. I mean, you kind of have been ha- have had to ramp up really, really quickly. So we'd love to hear about how you have, have been hiring employees and creating culture. Sure. So on the hiring front, our first employee was a director of operations because that was the thing that I wasn't particularly good at and Mm. was spending a lot of my time doing everything from ordering ingredients to scheduling production to figuring out the freight situation. Um, And then we hired a director of sales after that because we felt like we had more opportunities than I could cover from a sales perspective. And the team continued to grow out from there. We used outsourced consultants wherever possible to avoid um, having like a high overhead and payroll, just kind of given the state of the business and the cash situation. Um, But now we've really started to build the team out more Um, in terms of building culture. So we grew from one to five during the pandemic. So we, you know, there were team members that I had never met in person until 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, But you get to know people really quickly, uh, even (laughs) virtually on the startup journey. So that's been nice. But I do also think you have to be very deliberate about building culture. Um, And I think a lot of that in a founder-led company is what's modeled by the founder. And so when I think about some of our values about being kind and having integrity and treating the customer like customer first mentality, I think a lot of that's exhibited hopefully through my behavior. I think that a lot of times people think culture is like putting a poster on the wall or like going to happy hours or having beanbag chairs in the office. But I think it's really the consistency of how the leader and the leadership team are showing up, the policies that exist, how you're hiring folks, how you're bringing investors in investors, what investors you're bringing in. And so at Partake, um, inclusivity um, and lifting as we climb are, are really important values to us. And so when I think about inclusivity. We're making a product that over 90% of people can eat safely. Our investor group is primarily women and people of color or funds that specifically invest in those groups. Our team is 90% women and 60% people of color. And so I think the culture and the values have to show up in everything that you do. Um, For us, also lifting as we climb is really important. We started a fellowship program amongst several historically black colleges and universities in 2020 when we were just a team of three. Um, This year, we committed to provide a million meals to no kid hungry. And so like, how do we look at underestimated, underserved, underrepresented communities and how do we help lift them up and give them opportunity? Oh, that's, that's fantastic. So uh, starting a business and running a business, it takes a lot of time. So can you talk about the impacts on your family? I mean, I think, I, I, I think, you know, having seen my, have my kids watch me grow a business, I think it was a positive impact, but I'd love to hear about, about your, your daughter and your husband. Sure. I think, for an entrepreneur to be successful, I can't see how it can be done if it, the whole family's not on board. Yeah. There's been so many 
play dates and celebrations that my daughters missed because she had to go like she can set up a trade food trade show booth probably faster <laughs> than like an adult um and same with my husband like he works in finance but he would show up in a suit and tie at a local grocery store with a partake t-shirt in his backpack and do a demo after a long day of work and i think it's that type of support that i'm so fortunate to have but that's also necessary to be successful um I do think it's had a positive impact on my daughter. It's interesting. We'll walk down the aisles of Target and she has so many, so much feedback. What do you think of the product <laughs> packaging on that? Do you know the founder of that company? And like, I didn't even like in my mind as a child, like walking through a grocery store, it was all like very abstract to me. She understands mm-hmm. that like you can create something at your house and then serve and help millions of people and thinks that's normal. But she also understands the hard work and sacrifice that comes along with that. So I'm really excited for her and proud of that. But I also think, you know, the people ask a lot about work-life balance and that piece of it. And being a founder at a startup is all-encompassing. I don't think I've ever taken a day off, not Christmas, not Thanksgiving. And I'm not saying that's healthy and I'm not recommending that. But I think a lot of times people are quick to throw up like memes of, you know, journal every day and then do your yoga and your workout (laughs) and then have your tea and do all these things. And like, while that sounds wonderful in theory, and I'm trying to squeeze in as much of that as I can, the reality of it is as a founder, all of the good stuff and all of the bad stuff is going to rest on your shoulders. And it's a lot. It's true. Like the highs are high and the lows are very low. Can you t- can you talk about any more about the lessons that you learned of being a founder? Sure. Um, to try to stay in the middle because the highs are high and the lows are low and they happen in the same day, sometimes in the yes. same hour. Um, to have a North Star that is much bigger than like wanting to have a lot of social media followers or get rich. Um that there's no silver bullet magic wand. I think we, I thought like, you know, once we got into target nationally or once we brought on this celebrity investor, or once we got this new team member, it, that's not like, there's not one thing, at least from what I've seen, that's going to propel a business to to success. It's the day in day out consistency, putting your head down and doing the work. Um, I think also another tidbit would be to run your own race. It's so easy to look at like Nosh and BevNet and the press releases and wonder like, well, why is my business not growing like that? And why haven't I raised that much money? And a lot of it's smoke and mirrors. And so focus on what success looks like to you and building the business that you're going to be proud of. It's true. It's so hard because you just see what everyone else is doing and you think that you're behind when you're, you know, you're right. You are just kind of running your own race. So we have a money bell at Hudson Kitchen and we ring it when we want to celebrate something. So I was wondering, what are you celebrating? I am celebrating. So the business has grown quite a bit. We're in about 10,000 stores right now. So I'm excited about the fact that we've been able to take this thing from small independent, a small handful of independent stores to the biggest retailers in the country. Um, I'm proud of the way we've done that and how we've treated our team and how we've held on to our integrity and the quality of our products. Um, And we're in the midst of closing a a Series B. So I'm proud that we were able to get this done in in a fairly challenging environment with the folks that we're excited to work with that we think will bring strategic value and also mission and vision alignment to our business. Oh, congratulations. That's all so very exciting. So Denise, please tell everyone where they can find out about you and Partake Foods. Sure. You can find Partake on any of the social media channels and our handle is Partake Foods. And then you can find me on Instagram at Denise G. Woodard. Cool. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This episode was produced in collaboration with the studio at Carney Point. 
To learn more about Hudson Kitchen, visit our website at thehudsonkitchen.com or follow us on Instagram at thehudsonkitchen. Until next time, I'm your host, Janaba Johnson-Jones. Thank you for listening.